morning. It's Thursday, the 12th of April, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the first and only regularly updated podcast in the world dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, episode 20, Uber still pushing for self-driving cars, a lawsuit in the recent Model X crash, and a new thing, solid-state LiDAR. All this right now. So before we dive in to the first segment of this episode, I just want to say a big uh, thank you to all of you out there who have been listening to and subscribing to and generally enjoying and uh, indeed leaving some positive reviews, actually all positive five-star reviews on the uh, Apple iTunes podcast uh, page. So this is really fantastic stuff. You know, when I first started this uh, almost two months ago, I really had no idea where this was going to go. It was just sort of a, uh, I mean, it was just sort of a passion of mine. It is a passion of mine, autonomous cars generally. Uh, that's why I've always been writing so much about them. And then it, it, it occurred to me, you know, why not just start, uh, start talking about them? Um, so I really started this just for fun. And it's been really exciting to see how it's been uh, growing over time, and I'm pleased to say it's been growing quite quickly indeed. So um, while I think that we might see a reduction to two episodes per week instead of three, that's sort of what things have been trending to lately. Um, you know, in any event, it looks like the show is good for the foreseeable future anyway, and I'm really excited to keep on going. That said, as always, please do let me know what you think, any suggestions, preferences, improvements, including and especially uh, the, this notion of whether we should do two or three episodes per week, um, or for that matter, even one episode per week. Just let me know what you prefer, really. Uh, again, you can reach out to me on Twitter directly at Mark Hogue. That's M-A-R-C-H-O-A-G. But uh, enough about that. Let's dive in and get started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to actually merge my discussion uh, of the first two topics for today's episode because they're so directly related. Uh, the first, of course, is uh, Uber's view on self-driving cars in light of the recent fatal accident in Arizona, um, as well as a recent lawsuit filed against Tesla following the Model X crash in Mountain View, California. So first things first, uh, reports out today that uh, Uber's CEO, Dara Hosroshahi, he has said that he and Uber generally are still 100% behind self-driving vehicles, autonomous cars, of course, the key to safer roads, and that the recent tragic accident, you know, is obviously, obviously it's tragic, yeah, and, you know, ongoing investigation to try and figure out exactly what went wrong, of course, a very important thing, but that in any event, quote-unquote, autonomous vehicles at maturity will be safer, he says. Obviously, I agree with this point of view. Uh, I'm sure all of you listening agree as well, or, well, maybe you don't, and you're just curious what we're on about. Uh, you know, it, it's important to always keep in mind that uh, in the same 
day that this tragic accident occurred in Arizona with the pedestrian, many more accidents besides this occurred, right? So these just don't make news because, well, we've sort of well, we've kind of thrown our hands up in the air. We've said over the last hundred years of, of cars on the roads that uh, we're okay with this. You know, it's okay. People get struck and killed by cars all the time. Not a big deal. We're not going to report on every single one. This is why we report on every airplane crash, of course, but it's why we most certainly do not report on every car crash. Remember, 3,000 people die every single month in the U.S. Um, Obviously, we're not reporting on these things every single day. The reason why this accident with the Uber occurred uh, is, or was, you know, why it's been big news is because, well, it's a, it was a fully autonomous test vehicle. Obviously, this is a big deal. It's unusual. What I'm trying to say is it's, it's not, it's not a, It's not wrong or surprising that this made news. Obviously, again, it's a rare thing. An autonomous car strikes and kills a pedestrian. It's also a rare thing when airplanes crash nowadays. I think what's important to keep in mind, though, is why the reporting is being done in the first place. Uh, Is the reporting being done because it is indeed a novel thing that occurred? It's highly unusual. In which case, yeah, by all means, report it. It's unusual. It is, by definition, therefore, reportable. It is significant. Is the reporting being done in an unbiased fashion to cast negative light on autonomous cars? Uh, Well, if that's the case, then, frankly, it's just ridiculous tech tabloid gossip. Um, And that's just absurd, ridiculous, and counterproductive. So I think it's really important we keep sort of uh, an objective... Uh, you know our our objective hat on our heads to make sure we read and interpret these the you know all this news uh, sort of with the right from the right angle, uh, you know because otherwise, what's the point, right? We're, we're just sort of we're just sort of impeding what's otherwise really f- tremendous forward progress, and we really need to keep our eyes on where we're headed uh, because if not, we're just going to keep sort of we're going to kind of. Uh, stagnate where we are and we're just going to keep losing 3,000 people a month. This is just totally unsustainable. And in any event, um, you know, it's just, it's just, don't forget driving is the most dangerous thing almost anybody does every single day. So, um, and so, so sort of starting with that as a framework for what we're trying to discuss here today, let me now segue straight away into the discussion regarding the Tesla crash, the Model X in Mountain View, California. So the issue, if you remember, with that crash was that a Model X struck the divider between the exit lane and the main freeway lanes um, while under the control of autopilot. Now, just to paint the picture, remember, these dividers between exit lane and the freeway itself, usually uh, the actual divider is, is made out of concrete or steel. And then in front of it, it's got this sort of huge crumple zone, 50 meters, 100 meters or so, so that if you strike that the car will be more or less gradually slowed to a stop rather than hitting the concrete or metal divider itself, uh, which is decidedly not a very pleasant way to come to a stop. Well, what made this particular incident so, well, unusual, and I say unusual, I mean just plain bizarre to the point of being, uh, I don't mean this offensively, but just it, it's just so strikingly foolish if the facts are true. You know, we've got a 38-year-old software engineer at Apple who had apparently reported that autopilot didn't do so well on that stretch of road. The issue being that as the exit lane sort of split off from the main freeway, the lane markings became sort of unclear. And uh, if you can picture this sort of, you've got a lane which splits away. There's then sort of two lane markings on the left side 
the left side of the exit lane, the right side of the freeway, right? That's sort of where that that crumple zone occurs and then the, the, the barrier itself, right? And I guess basically the Tesla, instead of sort of keeping as far right as possible, it kept sort of tracking as close to the left side of that lane as possible. But of course, as the exit lane continued to sort of shift away further and further, it was now remaining towards the left, uh, essentially putting it in that sort of uh, median zone. Uh, And to compound problems, well, the crumple zone was not there. So the Model X continued forward and it didn't even see the center divider at all and failed to break and then just struck the the barricade at full speed, essentially shearing off the front of the car. Um, I mean, it was a... I mean, it was an absolutely catastrophic collision. Eventually, the car caught fire, and uh, tragically, the driver died once he was rescued and taken to the uh, hospital. So, what makes this so bizarre is that is the first, you know, putting aside for a moment why the driver was continuing to use autopilot there when he had apparently previously recognized that autopilot didn't do so well in that sort of a situation. Um, you know, first of all, why was he doing it again? I get it. I mean, as a tech guy myself, I would probably keep testing and retesting things as well. I certainly did quite a few tests with autopilot myself, uh, which is, you know, during that drive that I reported on the previous episode. Um, But what's curious is that he simply refused to take control of the car and then it eventually crashed. And now, of course, the family is, is suing Tesla saying that, you know, obviously autopilot is defective and doesn't work and in any event led to his death. I, uh, I, I, I'm not going to make any judgment call on the family. Well, let's see here. I'm not going to make a judgment call on the family's decision whether to sue. As a California licensed attorney, I, I get it. It makes sense. Fine, by all means, do it. Taking off my attorney hat for a second, I don't agree with this. I think it's, uh, I think it's somewhat frivolous to focus on the autopilot issue if indeed that's what the focus is going to be. Because, again, as I've discussed before. Even in an airplane with full autonomous, you know, full autopilot capability for most of the flight, if anything goes wrong, while the plane is under autopilot, um, under the control of autopilot, the pilots are still going to get the blame. You know, the finger is going to first go to the pilots, and only afterwards will there be a, uh, you know, will, will there be any effort to kind of place the blame on the autopilot system itself? Because at the end of the day, the pilots always have the full responsibility. Uh, here, it's the same thing with a car. I mean, forget autopilot for a second. Suppose it was simply cruise control. Well, so if you're under cruise control, then you're going, and if you have a crash, are you going to sue the automaker because, I don't know, because cruise control caused you to crash because you didn't take over when you should have? You know, in cars with adaptive cruise control, you know, the ones that use radar to kind of keep distance to cars in front and apply brakes and so on, does that mean that if, you know, you fail to take control that you're going to sue the automaker because the... Uh, you know, because the, the, the autonomous or the, the radar, the adaptive cruise control didn't come to a stop. I get it. You're going to say there's a difference here because autopilot is, by definition, different to an autonomous cruise control mode or to any other system for that matter. And uh, or alternatively, that Tesla markets it as a thing called autopilot, which sounds like it should be more capable than it is. But still, that's just in that's just not valid logic. Right. Because, again, if that were the case, then. Well, pilots should never be held responsible for what an airplane does when under autopilot. It just doesn't make any sense. Here, this is not a full level five autonomy car. It's barely level three. 
Tesla has made this very, very clear. You're required to keep attention to the car, to, to what it's doing. This is why the Tesla actually requires you to hold on to the steering wheel after a certain amount of time has passed, usually just you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds or so, which, by the way, apparently this car was doing, and then the driver just failed to do so. So you look at all these elements, right? So the car is, first of all, announcing that control must be handed back to the driver. Driver ignores this, knowing that the autopilot does not work well on that stretch of road and has had problems in the past, and then crashes and tragically dies. Um, I, I just... I, I don't see, I, I don't see the, uh, what word shall I use here? I, I don't see how this is a valid lawsuit, frankly. I just, I, and again, while my heart goes out to the family, and, and obviously this is an awful, tragic thing, it, it, it sort of just, it, it, again, it's sort of casting this really dark shadow over the whole premise of autonomous cars, rather like the thing in Arizona with Uber. And, just taking a step back, looking at the big, big picture where the needs of the many always outweigh the needs of the few or the, or the one, right? I mean, this is a really, uh, it's really important to keep our eyes on that future vision of zero deaths. Now, I think it's an interesting thing to consider because if you look at what Volvo are doing, right? So Volvo has said their plan for Vision 2020 is no death or serious injury caused with or by or within their vehicles. And what they've even said is that if any accident occurs under any of their vehicles, semi-autonomous and later fully autonomous modes, that Volvo will claim full responsibility. That's a separate situation entirely. And I think it's a super admirable one. I question how that's going to play out for Volvo. But, you know, I think it's one thing if Tesla and other automakers decide to do that, to explicitly offload responsibility and therefore liability from the human driver. But unless and until that actually happens, you know, Come on, we we are responsible for the car. That's just the way things work. I mean, unless and until we reach level five autonomy, which you know, in cars which don't even have a steering wheel and gas pedal. Sorry, but the human driver is responsible. That's just the way it is. So I think it's important we keep this in mind. Um, I'm curious where this lawsuit goes and what it's going to mean for Tesla. My suspicion is that Tesla will probably not be liable for any of this. Uh, I suppose there could be a secondary issue with respect to the fire. I mean, after all, why did the car catch fire so catastrophically? Um, but again, that's a separate issue. And admittedly, I think that's actually a more valid issue to target rather than autonomous, you know, failure of the autonomous car system. So um, uh, of the autopilot system. So that's my thoughts on that. Let's move on now to something altogether related, but new. All right, so for this final episode, I'm going to gloss over something really worth mentioning. Uh, we don't have time to get into the whole thing right now in this episode. We'll come back to it in the future, I promise. Um, I want to talk about solid-state LiDAR. So first, some quick background on LiDAR generally. So if you remember, LiDAR is the device which all autonomous cars use to see the world around them, with the notable exception, of course, of Tesla. Elon Musk, not a fan of these big, lumbering, clunky, spinning things on the tops of roofs, which are also, by the way, very expensive. Uh, And in any event, he says that conventional cameras and other sensors are advancing at a fast enough pace so as to render LiDAR entirely moot. Um, But, uh, yeah, so look, LiDAR is an expensive thing. It is big, clunky, cumbersome, and frankly pretty ugly. But now Quantergy, a company, has come along and 
Well, they're developing a thing called solid-state LiDAR. So just a refresher on how LiDAR works. So it's basically the spinning array of lasers. They shoot out a beam of laser light in the world around the car, 360 degrees. This light is then bounced back. The car is then able to see and build, uh, see these laser reflections, and then builds a three-dimensional point cloud space of the world around the car. This is how the car sees. Well, Quantergy have developed a solid-state version of this, meaning no electrical mechanical parts no big, spinning, cumbersome stuff. Uh, it's a little tiny device, and by analogy, think of it like how, for instance, a new solid-state drive in your computer, much, much smaller and faster, uh, although not cheaper yet, uh, than your traditional spinning drive platter. Um, so the, the promise here is that it'll be much, much smaller, it'll be much better, and it'll be much cheaper. So conventional LiDAR, typically about $1,000 a pop. This one's going to be starting out around $900 and eventually dipping below 100 So again, it's a really, really promising tech. It's far, much, far too much to go into detail now as to how it works. I do promise to come back and report on this in a future episode. So there you have it. That's a wrap for episode 20. Thank you so much for listening. I think we'll check back in on Monday. Uh, Again, please remember to like, share, subscribe to this podcast. Remember, it's available on Apple iTunes Podcasts, also on Anchor.fm, where you can, of course, leave me a voicemail. I promise to respond to you. But meanwhile, do please keep sharing and subscribing. And, you know, uh, thank you again so much for your support. It's amazing to make it to episode 20. Have a wonderful rest of the week and indeed a weekend. And I will see you on Monday. Thank you and bye-bye.